Welcome to the aggressive life. Well, it's that time of year. It's the most unifying holiday in all of America. It is the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 55. I was recently talking with a friend of mine, uh, actually during at a video shoot, uh, around a fun thing we do called the Super Bowl preaching, which we're now actually changing it to the uh, Sports Church Preach Bowl, so we don't get banned by the NFL and all of social media. Anyway, I was talking with <laughs> I was talking with my uh, I was talking with my buddy Solomon Wilcots, who I know as Solomon, and uh, every every time I get with him, there's always just fascinating things that we talk about. So I say, why don't we stop talking about fascinating things right now and let's do it on the podcast? So he's with me today. Welcome. NFL veteran, broadcaster extraordinaire, a man who who time has stood still on. His blazingly muscular, bronze, <laughs> sexy body is as impressive, more impressive today than it's ever been today. Welcome, my friend, Solomon Wilcots. Hey, Brian, thanks for having me. You know, I, this is the first time that I feel that my studio is not up to par. You know, we've been talking. I told you I had this great studio, and now I'm... I'm sensing that, uh, you know, maybe I didn't quite measure up. So hopefully we can deliver, okay? <laughs> we, he was going to be with me in the studio today. Solomon lives in Cincinnati, my hometown. But uh, he's had a bit of a COVID scare, so he's just, that's, that's uh, right. what is uh, quarantining. I can't believe I forgot that word. Quarantine, yeah. So it's, it's contact tracing, right? Our 15-year-old, she tested positive early last week, and so... I need to go about 10 days of just making sure I protect others. How about that for a novel thought? I'm, I'm looking out for others. <laughs> I know. You were uh, you were actually my second guest on The Aggressive Life way, 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 way back when. It was one of my favorite podcasts. Of course, I say about all of them. It's one of my favorite ones. It, re- it really was. We had a good time. I can't believe it's taken us you know, dozens of episodes later yeah. to hang out. But but here we are, and um, I want to talk football with you. I want to talk, uh, I want to talk aging with you. I want to talk anything you and I are into talking about. You, I, I just noticed you're, you're a svelte self of yours. You, I mean, you are still very muscular, obviously very, very fit, but you've dropped some LBSs. Tell me about that. Yeah, it was it was much needed, according to my doctor. You know, he's always looking at me and saying, what are you doing if I start to gain too much muscle? And he he let me know about it. And he was 100 percent right. I have a great doctor, Dr. John Schroeder. And, you know, he's always looking out for me and he understands the concerns I have with, you know, my overall health. Right. My joints aching back. You know, as football players, Brian, we age in dog years, you know, so we have have to be very careful about putting on more weight. And I had started to do that uh, last year as I head into the holiday season. And then I I got sick. I had a flu. I don't know if it was COVID as much as it was. It was a really bad flu. And then it turned into something else. And so I had to really change my diet. I stopped eating meat. I I still eat fish um, and anything from the sea, but... Um, no other meats. Everything else is 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 plant based, but no pork, no steak, no beef, no chicken. Um, and it's really changed my life. My joints feel better, less inflammation. Obviously, I've been able to lower my cholesterol. Uh, but subsequently, over the course of the last year and working out, I've been able to shed close to twenty pounds. So I feel I feel great. I do know that and. And uh, that's that's a good thing. I feel more healthy. Well, I thought it was interesting More in more recent years. We've been hanging out for years. We don't see each other that often. But, you know, when we do, um, it generally yeah. gets to health 
it generally gets eventually to pain and just stuff that you deal with as a former <laughs> former player. Like you, you know, you can't yeah. stand too long, you can't yeah. sit too long. And and what I was just thinking about was poor Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, yeah. you, 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 uh, you were in the NFL for what? How, how many years were you in the NFL? Seven for? years. Okay, seven seasons. So you yeah. were in the NFL for almost a third of Ben Roethlisberger's career. He's seventeen, right? He's seventeen now, <laughs> right? You were, you were, you weren't in a position on the field as a defensive back where everybody was trying to take your head off. You weren't having like five guys at play tackling you. You weren't. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's just. I, I look at that guy who, and I have a special heart for because I was originally from Pittsburgh, so I, I have a heart for Pittsburgh. And I just learned, yeah. I just learned that Ben Roethlisberger has been reading my book Five Marks of a Man, which oh, they, that's great. that's awesome, that's great. I mean, he's he's a good young man. He went to Miami of Ohio. He's a, he's an Ohio kid. You know, I've talked to Ben on several occasions. He, he fought, he's a good follower of Christ. It, it's changed his life as it has for many of us. And uh, I am so proud of him and the, the man that he's become, the father that he's become. But, you know, I watched that last game right against Cleveland in the playoff game, and I, I felt bad for him because the ball was snapped over his head. There was a time Ben could have jumped up and plucked that with one hand, right? He could he couldn't even fall on the ball. And so I felt bad for him because he was trying to fall uh, on it. And he couldn't even he's uh, it's like his athleticism isn't what it used to be. Even though he's right. a great athlete, he's a great golfer. The guy is an incredible athlete, but you know, we become more rigid, right? Less flexible and uh, not as fluid in our movements as we tend to age. And so whether we're talking about Ben or we're talking about ourselves. We can empathize, right? So how does how does he how is he going to do it? Because guys like you are hurting. He's honestly, is he going to be like um, who was the guy, the Raiders center, Otto Graham, or whoever it was? Oh, you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The guy just was Bad. in a wheelchair his whole life and just mm-hmm. difficult stuff. I mean, is I hope Ben's not up for that future. How, how do you think he's going to handle it long term? You know, a lot of guys really say as long as I'm not in having to endure any head trauma, right? Um, and I, you know, I think that's right. That's where you, there's a line of demarcation where you say, okay, now it's time to walk away. I think guys, as long as they're dealing with tendons or muscle pulls and aches, he actually made it through this season healthy, right? He mm. really did. Um, now he had some, some down moments, but for the most part, he had a very successful season. For his 17th year, they won another division title. It just ended badly for the team. He actually had over 500 yards passing in that game. He had he had uh, four touchdowns, four interceptions. So he got off to such a bad start. He did finish strong, but I think people look at the game in its totality. You know, we have recency biases, right? People remember that game and say, wow, maybe he should hang it up. But if you take a more um, larger view... He actually had a great season for his 17th year. The other two guys that he came into the league with in 2004, Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers, both of them have hung it up. And I think he's, I think he wants to get at least one more in beyond what those guys were able to do. Gosh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I don't Man, all right. I mean, it's it's it's, it's all of us got to live our life the way we do, you know, so That's right. who knows. That's right. But I find that 
I'm having a real heart for the for the older guys. Like I'm actually I can't believe I'm going public with this. I've gotten to a point where I actually like Tom Brady. <laughs> I, do, I, See, I just that's right. I mean from, from for his whole career, well his whole career from, you know, year 3 onward, I I was a big fan of his coming as a yeah. unannounced guy out of Michigan and when he got the nod with um, Bledsoe, who went down or didn't wasn't good doing the job, and the whole snowball and everything it was, you know, there was that yeah. kind of Cinderella thing from the beginning of his career. And then, gosh, the guy just got so darn successful and good that the whole thing of rooting for the underdog has happened with me. I've always rooted for the underdog, which is anybody who's going yeah. against him and the Patriots. You know, this guy's got, you know, he's dating or marrying supermodels he's got I'm not, I'm not jealous no i'm not i'm not jealous at all no i'm not but i'm just saying he's yeah, don't don't show me smallness in your fingers what are you trying to do to show me small you said you said you're not jealous and i'm thinking eh, just a okay. little bit just a yeah, little bit I, I, I am i totally am i'm just pointing my absolutely absolutely i am i am very very but boy not now not now i am um I am inspired by the dude who's 43. Yeah. What was the stat? He's been in 14 conference championships games. 14? Yeah. 14. He's got 14 more, and, Super Bowl, and, yeah. more Super Bowl trophies than Bart Starr, uh, Brett Favre, <laughs> and uh, uh, gosh, I forgot his name, the current quarterback of the Packers. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Who just yeah. they beat in the most recent one more than all of those guys combined. The guy's a freaking machine. Uh, and how about this? Uh, I, I think you empathize with him a little bit because he has now become the underdog, right? At 43 years uh, of age in his 21st season. And he and he jumped to a new team without having a real offseason to learn the offense or to get integrated with the players and get to know them. He had all that taken away during, you know, playing through a global pandemic, right? So that upped the ante. He's not with Bill Belichick anymore. I mean, everything you could stack onto this and say it's impossible for him to succeed. He uh, took on the challenge and still succeeding. And uh, it's not lost on me that in the 21 years that he's been in the league, he really only has been the starting quarterback uh, for the team for 19 seasons. The first year he didn't play. Then there was a year where he was hurt in the very first game of the year, didn't play the rest of the season. So for in 19 seasons, he's taken his team to a Super Bowl 10 times. <laughs> 10 times. It's unbelievable. 19 years. That's a 52% Super Bowl rate. Never been done before in the history of our sport. Never, ever before. That's I think that's remarkable. It's it's utterly stunning. And I think one of the reasons why I'm rooting for him, I, I like Patrick Mahomes a lot. Yeah. It's uh I mean what's not to like about the dude? He's 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 a really good dude. But but you know, they, they are the yin the yang. You got young black guy, old white guy. Right? <laughs> you've got guy who's got legs and you've got guy who's got mind. Not that not That's that right. um, Brady right. doesn't have legs, and not that Mahomes is stupid, but they're they're they're, they're playing right. they're playing off different things. It's just a it's yeah. such a fascinating matchup. But what I what I'm most excited about is I'm most excited about that Bill Belichick did crappy. I love that. I love I, <laughs> you, you. You and I talked about this. Uh, I don't know when we talked about you know the whole debate of what's the secret of the Patriots' success, and and uh, I said it was Brady, and I think I'm proved right. It's Clearly, it's Tom Brady. Do we have any more argument over that? 
Well, I, we always say that um, coaches have all the power but no control. In other words, the, the coach has the power of who plays and what plays they're going to run, but the player has all the control over how that play is going to materialize. In other words, Belichick can't go out there and make a play. How many touchdown passes has Belichick thrown for? <laughs> right? Zero. Yep. So all the power but no control. So – Clearly, it's more about Tom Brady, um, and I think this move has shown us that. But I've always said it's both. I, I give both equal billing because it, you know, it's teamwork, right, between the coach and the quarterback. And I believe Belichick can still win, providing he gets himself another good quarterback, and he he's got to find himself in more Super Bowls. I really do believe that. It's just that Brady was able to pick a t- what team he wanted to go to, and he he chose wisely. And then he put the work into it to help that team get to the first Super Bowl, what, since 2002. It's been like 18 seasons since the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been in a Super Bowl. So you're still trying to debate me that Bill Belichick was more important than Tom Brady with the Patriots run all those years. I I think I said they were equally important. Eh, Wrong. (laughs) Equally important. eh, Wrong. If they were equally important, then Bill (laughs) Belichick would have had more than the 500 record this year. Well, think about this. Think about this. He can't go out and play, but he, he, he is missing Tom Brady. But Tom Brady could not remember. Tom Brady could have done some things better last year. And he did it. This year he's able to do it because guess what? Tom Brady doesn't throw it to himself. He doesn't go out and play defense. He threw three interceptions in the NFC Championship game. By all rights and all intents and purposes, should have lost the game. But it took the defense. It took teammates to bail him out. So that that goes to show you quarterbacks can't win by themselves. Uh, They sure can lose it in a hurry by throwing interceptions. So uh, it's it's a team sport. And all the work that was put in in New England, I think Brady and Belichick made for a great team. Brady has found himself another good team to be a part of, and he's the leader of that team. Now Belichick's got to find himself another good quarterback so that he can create a team around himself as a head coach. There's a book I read a few years ago, which I I thought was one of the more important books I've read in the last few years, called Captain Class. Have you heard of that book or read that book? No, I'd love to. It, it was a it was a fascinating book. It was what well, this guy just did a data research on what were the greatest teams of all time in any sport. Like, and he had a whole list of criteria about who was most dominant over how many years and all that stuff. And when he did this, the book was published, I think, three years ago. And I think he probably concluded his research five years ago. Um, and he did, like, the U.S. women's volleyball team, U.S. women's mm. soccer team. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers were in there. Uh, okay. uh, a, a whole bunch of them. Bunch of them. But uh, his, his thing is that there was a captain, a captain on those teams – and and it's like man, when that captain goes, boom, the, yes. the the it goes away. It just goes. And at that point, he didn't include the Patriots because when he did his research, they weren't as dominant as they later became. Um, like for the the Steelers, yeah. I'm curious if you what your opinion is. Uh, he he said it was very clearly who 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 the who the captain was, who was the heart yeah. and soul of the Steelers. Who do you think that would have been? I I would say it's Joe Green. Mean Joe Green. Yeah, he, would you you brought. Would you say t- some people would say Terry Bradshaw, but I would say it's Mean Joe Green. 
I would have probably said Bradshaw, but he says different. He says it was Jack Lambert. Okay. Hey, I would go with that. Yeah. I would go with that. So, but if you talk, if you were to talk to the people inside the building there, the Rooney family, they would tell you it was mean Joe Green. Huh. We call it force multiplier. That's that's what that uh, the captain is. The captain is the guy that crystallizes. You have all the ingredients. He's, he's, he's that bonding mechanism that pulls it all together. The way that I look at the coach in this, Chuck Noll, for instance, right, for those great Steeler teams, he was the guy that provided the infrastructure for the captain to exist, right, and for everyone to coalesce around the fulcrum, right? He's like the fulcrum that gives everything balance and everyone gravitates to that person. They're usually the hardest worker. They're usually the most productive worker and they're usually the most charismatic yep. individual, right? Yeah. And 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 uh, Mean Joe Green was that guy. I could see equally Jack Lambert being that guy. I would not argue that point at all. Yeah, his points were uh, some of the stories about Lambert bleeding and going to the field, blood-soaked shirt, and just exemplifying a bunch of stuff. It was it was pretty good. But 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 back to my point here. I think if you take Tom Brady, I think you could drop Tom Brady in five different teams in the NFL this year, and they go to the Super Bowl. I think you take Belichick and drop in five other teams. Doesn't matter. You're not going to affect it. That's what I think. I think I think Tom Brady for sure because we have the proof, right? You dropped him in Tampa and, and took him to a Super Bowl. They haven't been in 18 years, right? They hadn't even been to the playoffs in the last – they had a 12-year playoff drought. Yeah. He shows up, bam. No team in the history of our league has ever gone to the Super Bowl the year they're hosting the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's happening this year. That's unbelievable. I mean, so – As so a wild card point, team. Oh, yeah. Tom, Tom is proving your, your theory here. He really has. Now – I think I, I really do believe. Now, you have to put those players on an adequate roster. Like, Tom could not have gone to Jacksonville and had this happen. I, and yeah. let's just be honest. Yeah, I mean, right. you know, okay? So, if you take Bill Belichick and say, let's put him on the Rams or put him on Seattle. If you gave him Russell Wilson, that team he had this year, they're probably going to the Super Bowl. They're, they're in the playoffs for sure. I can. That's. I think we can say that with reasonable probabilities but that Cam they would Newton, be making it into the postseason. But Cam Newton scarves. I mean, what would we do with those? They're so attractive. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a declining <laughs> player, and and once he got COVID, he really declined. I mean, he really declined. But yeah, he, you're right. Great dresser, but not an overly productive quarterback, particularly in the passing game. Interesting dresser, not great dresser. Interesting. <laughs> Guys shouldn't have nice. guys shouldn't have <laughs> scarves over their head. I'm sorry. Hey, he and his pants are tighter than maybe like the ones you wore back in the disco age. Pretty close <laughs> to that. <laughs> oh man. Well, I just find that the Tom, the Tom Brady thing. It's not about a football thing for me. What I find intriguing about him yeah. is to say, all right, no one would have said somebody at 43 could be leading someone to the Super Bowl in the pivotal role. We're not talking about a place kicker here or a punter. You know, we're talking about a quarterback. And I just find myself going, all right, what's what's my shelf life like? Is my shelf life in my current job, I don't know, is it 65? Is it 
60? Is it 80? I, mean, I, I don't know. Well, I do know what statistics would say. Statistics would say people in my job, they've, uh, they, they, they check out at 65, and realistically, they've checked out for the 10 years before that. Before that. Before yeah, that, yeah. they've checked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to buck that trend. I've had a hard year, but I haven't checked out, and I feel more energetic than ever right now. But I, I am looking at Brady, and I'm going, okay, what yeah. can I learn from that dude? What do you think, brother? For, for guys like you and I who are, who are a bit older, mm-hmm. what are you thinking about your, your, sustained, your sustainability and excellence plan for your life? What's your thoughts? So, so all the data suggests that um, people are either externally motivated or internally motivated. External motivation, as you well know, or what salary, the money, the accoutrements, the fame, um, the things that come from outside that we all know uh, that those things are short lived. Right. That those things, there's usually not sustainable um, enthusiasm for one's work if we are externally motivated. Yep. But when we're internally motivated, that is a sense of. Of, of, of leadership, a sense of helping others achieve while at the same time we're achieving, the sense of getting the best out of others while trying to get the best out of ourselves. It's not always a popular position to be in, by the way, you know, when you're having to push other people um, and they may not want to be pushed or maybe they don't want to go as far. They say they do, but they don't want to do the things that are required to go that far. And that's what happened at times this year with Tom Brady, where he had to get on guys and, you know, you, you run a risk of, of there being some backlash, but I I think he is literally determined to be the absolute best. It doesn't come from outside. No one taught him that. I think it's something that he adopted himself. I think part of that dynamic is being told that you're not the best is being told that, Ah, we don't really want you. Oh, we don't really think you're that good. We know that's what happened to him uh, when there were, I think, six other quarterbacks taken before him in the draft. They were called, I think, the Brady Six. And and uh, he went in the sixth round uh, that year. And no, all those teams that passed on him, it, it, it wounded him in some way, hmm. shape, or form. When he was at Michigan, there was a – Another uh, quarterback that had already been drafted in the first round by the New York Yankees, and he had played for George Steinbrenner, and then they brokered a deal, Lloyd Carr, to bring him to the University of Michigan, and Tom Brady had to play behind him. I think it's, I think he, when he came into the NFL, he was set to show the world who he really is and what has sustained him, though. Even after winning all those Super Bowls, you would think he would have answered all those questions. Right, right. Uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I can't wait to hear his answer when he finally does tell us what compelled him to keep pushing, uh, to keep wanting to do more. I do know this. He was told by the Patriots and by Bill Belichick he wasn't wanted back this year. Can what? you imagine that? What? Are you serious? He wasn't wanted back. Oh, my gosh. Because Bill Bill Belichick was like, I have nothing in my notes that tells me that a 43-year-old quarterback is going to succeed. And he was wanting market value. And market value means that you got to pay plus 30-plus million dollars, okay, for the season. And the Patriots didn't want to play it. Bill Belichick didn't want to pay that for a quarterback that he thought, by his metrics, was over the hill. 
So I think Tom was even more motivated knowing that, okay, I'm going to have to prove to him. I got, I've been doing it all my career. I've been proving to him. Now I got to prove to him that I can win without him and that I can win at 43 years of age. Well, okay. Well, that makes sense to me then. Uh, I'll just draw my day job. <laughs> I'll draw on my day job uh, if I could as a, as a pastor and uh, as a as a as a believer. You know, we all have this orphan mentality. I have a literal orphan yeah. mentality because I was adopted. My very okay. first person uh-huh. uh, who I knew in the womb said, "I don't want you," and it was the most loving thing for her to do was to give me up. I'm very very thankful for that. But psychologists would say there was a. Uh, a symbiotic, literal symbiotic, fluid relationship I had with her, and then all of a sudden I yeah. am I am out of my own, yeah. and mm-hmm. I felt abandoned, and so yeah. my whole life uh, I feel like someone's going to reject me. Uh, it causes me to uh, be a jerk to others because I want to reject you before you reject me. It yeah, causes yeah. me when someone I, when I do feel accepted and loved by you, it causes me to never ever give up on you. One of my consistent problems as a, as a leader is I just don't let people go who I like, even though if they're not doing yeah, a good job, yeah. I just can't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it causes yeah. me to remember all the ways that people didn't give me a shot and work with us. So now I hear that I'm going mm-hmm. like, okay, so he had the orphan thing coming. I don't know if he's a f- physical orphan or not, but I know that no. spiritually mm-hmm. speaking, this is a condition we have where we feel separate from the family of God and we try to strive yeah. and impress God and improve and improve ourselves. Mm. And uh, makes sense yeah. right now a little bit. I'm just processing with you. If he feels like six round, he's got this fuel as an orphan. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. And now when yeah. he should be done, he's got fresh fuel. I, all the stuff I've given yeah. to this organization, yeah. taking him to 13 championships yeah. and all that stuff. And now, now I'm going to show you. I, I hope yeah. that's not the answer for how you and I can sustain ourselves is to be driven by an orphan mentality. <laughs> not that he is. I'm well, just postulating. There, there are psychologists that say, not to go too a deep of a dive here, uh, but I think it was the psychologist, uh, Dr. Adler, who said that our first cry as a baby was a bid for attention. Hmm. Um, that we all, even the most humble person, who says, ah, no, I don't like attention. They could be really shy. But deep down inside, no one wants to go unrecognized, right? Um, everyone wants a pat on the back, job well done, recognition for hard work. I, that's part of who we are. And I think we all need to embrace that. And we all need to be honest about it. I think we can all have a sense of humility, but still recognize that we enjoy being recognized, except for when we do something wrong, right? <laughs> but I, I think there's a balance to that. And uh, I think some of that is at play here, too. I think I think Tom had been overlooked. I think he people had passed him by for other people. And I think he's like, wait a minute. I will. You know, all great athletes have that. They want to be recognized. They, they're doing it, and they don't want their um, their accomplishments to go unnoticed. Uh, there are even great athletes with great records who never want their records broken. Why? Because they think when the records are broken that they will be forgotten. So it's all baked in there. Uh, and I don't I don't know that it's an unhealthy thing. I think it can be unhealthy. But I think in some ways it can be a driving force as well. Yeah. Well, as I was watching the game, uh, Brady and Mahomes, I was simultaneously – 
impressed and going inward with Brady going, what do I need to do to endure and thrive and succeed and win, you know, long, long term, whatever that is in my profession, 70, 80, whatever it is. And simultaneously looking at Mahomes and thinking, I think that's, I think that really might be the most impressive quarterback I've ever seen. I mean, he, he just, he, I, I know his statistics aren't as great as others, but like, He's just downright mesmerizing when he has that ball, right? I mean, underhand passes and his yeah. alacrity. He's not dumb. He understands the game. He just, mm-hmm. man, that. And I kept finding myself going, hey, he might be the most impressive quarterback, or at least potential for most impressive quarterback I've ever seen. Who knows what it's going to be like in three, four years, right? But I, I found myself saying, I wonder how he's going to sustain himself. I wonder if he's going to be able to be around for 10 years. I wonder what his growth plan is. Do you any th- have any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, Vince Lombardi, one of the great coaches in the National Football League, part of NFL lore, right? He said that 90% of the game is played from the neck up. And so we can talk all about the physical gifts and the physical talents of Patrick Mahomes. His father was a baseball player. He grew up around baseball players like uh, Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez. But his arm talent is phenomenal. His ability to, to throw the ball with great velocity, great accuracy and to throw the ball at different angles and 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 sort of just sort of finesse the ball in there when he has to he's just he's got a sort of he throws a change up with a football if you will right, right? weird and, and and it's it's beautiful and it's beautiful to watch but from the neck up his maturity his emotional maturity is phenomenal um here's a guy that in his second season he was the league mvp in his third season he was a super bowl MVP. And now in his fourth season, he's going back to another Super Bowl. And he leads the team uh, as a servant leader, much in the same way that Tom Brady does. Tom Brady, after winning Super Bowl MVPs, he'd go and take the car that he won and he would give it to another player saying, you deserve this more than I do. I mean, that that's that's leadership at a whole nother level. And, and from what we're hearing, Patrick Mahomes is that same kind of leader and his teammates love him. They'll run through a wall for them. That's, that's what's needed in team sports when you are the guy that plays a position that needs everyone else's help to do your job. Remember, the quarterback can't block for himself. He can't throw the ball to himself, right? He can't go out and play defense. He needs everyone else's help to look good doing his job. And Patrick Mahomes understands all these things at a very early age. And that, is very surprising. And so what's going to sustain him here 14, 15? Will he even make it 20 years in the NFL? I, that's hard to believe. It is. But, man, I'm going to tell you right now, that's a. I think Tom Brady has put the bar so high for these other young players. It, it, it'll be interesting to see who can reach it, if they can. My, my competitive days on the gridiron ended in – you know, 1983 with high school. Yours ended yeah. what 20 years ago in the pros, or how? Oh, how yeah, you know. 90 in nine round, right around 93. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> um, you know, you, your 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 athleticism is obviously way way beyond mine, and 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 every way in your history, all that kind of stuff. But I think we both uh, look on our athletic mindset, competitive mindset, and that hasn't gone away, even though we've literally hung up the cleats. Right. Uh, there, there's yeah. still a desire to compete. There's still a desire to win. There's still a desire, 
I, I have it anyway, to improve yourself, yeah. to train, Absolutely. to believe that there's an epic battle that's in front of you. How do you keep your fire stoked for that competition? That's a really good question. Um, I am more of a curious soul, always have been, always will be. I always tell my kids, I always tell young people that school is never out, that we're, we're constantly should be seeking knowledge and seeking truth. And I think seeking a better way to help the world be a better place. But that all starts with me needing to be a better person, right? And if I'm a better person, then maybe I can help my friends who I've known for years uh, be a better person uh, by showing them, here's what I'm willing to do for you. I think we impact the lives of other people every single day. Sometimes they're just watching us um, and sometimes they're asking. Um, but I think if you help other people, no one is unhappy when they're being helped or when you're giving of yourself to help them. And I think in that way, I think I can make a difference every single day. I don't think the bar is too high to reach, right? But at the end of the day, I, I try to just, you know, keep improving by having a greater thirst for knowledge. I do a lot of reading. I try to um, improve what little skills I do have. I'm always in search of new skills, right? Um, I'm always trying to learn new things. And to me, that makes life so much more interesting. And so as I'm improving and learning and gathering new skills and becoming better at those skills, it makes my life that much more interesting. And if I can help someone along the way, then I really feel great. But what do you do right now? Okay, so learning is one of them. So you said, yeah, yeah that's one of the ways yeah. you training is learning. What, mm -hmm. what else do you do to train? Anything else? Exercise. My exercise every, I exercise every day in some way, shape, or form. You know, that's something that I not only enjoy, but I know that's going to help me, what, sustain life. And um, it it helps me throughout the day just have greater energy to be able to do all those other things that I talked about. So um, physical exercise for me, it's it's almost a must. It's like I, ha I feed on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I have to do it. In order just to have, you know, a better mind, a better zeitgeist, a better outlook on life. And obviously, you know, my prayer life is all, is really important to me um, because that that prayer time, that meditation time, you and I, we've talked about this in the past. Um, that for me is is vitally uh, important. So the future of football, what mm -hmm. do you, what do you think it is? I'm. I'm wondering if we're at a critical point for the NFL right now and for football itself. We've been up against this for for years now as all the all the concussion paranoia has happened. I just I think we're overblowing it. I think it's I, I, I think that the, the number of kids that have played football in high school and have had negative impact from head injuries, I think is just not I think it's I think it's completely negligible. I think we pick up so much out of the game of football, those of us who did it, that uh, I'm, I'm really saddened to see it dropping away. But it's been under fire, and now the NFL has gone through a whole season where people couldn't come to the stadiums for the most part. PR issues with the NFL, left and right, you know, misstepping some things on social justice, misstepping, just, it's just a bunch of things. What do you think the future of the NFL is and the future of football? I think the future is bright. 
um, despite some of the missteps and, and when it comes to overall player safety and health, they have begun initiatives to improve it, um, to make sure that, you know, like when Patrick Mahomes, he really got hit in the net, but he looked and appeared to be very woozy. You know what? Get him off the field. There's no way he's coming back to play. I mean, so we've seen protocols put into place that is much greater in terms of protecting the player, not only from himself, but from the club or the overzealous coach that says, ah, he just had his bell rung, put him back in there. So I think we've seen measures taken to uh, rectify some of those past problems in that way. I think when it comes to social injustice, I remember when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, I understood what that knee and that moment was about. I knew that he was not protesting the flag. I knew that he was not protesting against the ideals of America. In fact, he was trying to get America to take a look at itself. More importantly, take a look at what's going on in some of these disadvantaged communities and trying to get us to live up to these high ideals in terms of what we tell people we are as a nation. That's not a bad thing. In fact, it was a peaceful, legal uh, protest, whether you agree with it or not. It, but the league wanted to ban him right away. They wanted to vilify him right away. And I remember talking to people in the league saying, oh, wait a minute. You're going to end up on the wrong side of history here. You know, you got to just, we, there's got to be another way to handle this. And sitting down and talk with him. And, and now here we are. I really think that the National Football League playing through this global pandemic and pushing forward because we, we all can't just stop living while we're trying to go through this global pandemic, we have to make sense of what's the best way to proceed with, with some um, safety, with some efficacy. We have to continue to move forward. I think the NFL, uh, for me anyway, has been an example in so many ways of, of great leadership, how to work through problems, how to understand that oh, while we are not perfect, we can still make mistakes and not let it break us. Um, I saw ownership. I saw players coming together and working together through some real difficult times. You got to understand through this and this league, there's not always been labor peace. Ownership and players have not always gotten along, but I think we have greater unity at that, at that, at the top level than we ever have had before. Um, I think sports. And I'll use the NFL as an example, I think is a, a microcosm of how we can be as a society. You have players from different backgrounds and different um, um, uh, places and different environments who all come together on the one cause, trying to just win a football game. And they're all pitching in, trying to help each other. And they have to go through adversity in order to win a championship. They've got to go through peaks and valleys and up and down. But guess what? If they fracture, they'll never win. If they don't stick together, they'll never succeed. I think sports is still a great unifier. I think it still serves as a tremendous example of how we ought to conduct ourselves every day in life, corporately, right, collectively, um, as a community, and as a country. I really do. I believe sports gives us that. And I think football, because it's more people from more places all coming together, you need 53 guys to win a game, not five like in basketball. And really in basketball, if you got one great guy, he can win it for you. Yeah.
Well, one guy can't win it for you in football. It's just, it never happens. You need everyone pitching in. And that's why I think, I think the NFL was in a good place. There's some, still some things we can get better at. There's still some areas we need to improve upon. Uh, but I still think it serves as a tremendous shining example of what happens when you persevere, when you work hard, you have great discipline, and you're willing to work with other people. Uh, and put your own individual selfish goals aside for the betterment of the team. I agree. I, I think it is a great sport. I think it's my favorite if I'm going to sit down and watch it. It was my favorite to play, you know, many, many years ago. But, like, I'm one guy here who's able to have an intelligent conversation with you about football. And this last weekend, those are the first two games I've seen in the entirety, the entire season. I've just lost interest in the NFL. I've just made part Why? of Why do you think that is? Um uh part of it is I I've uh, I'm I'm just endlessly frustrated with my hometown team of the Bengals and I just, you know, stopped getting okay. angry with them years and years and years and years ago and so therefore uh you you stop following your hometown team, you stop stop following it. Um that's that's part of it and then the other part of it is just um when I when I did get frustrated and stop watching for a few weeks in a season a few years ago. I remember the day very clearly. We had a like a hurricane tornado warning that that knocked out power lines and I was watching the Bengals game and it all of a sudden went away in the first quarter. And this was this was this was like a mind blowing. What? I can't watch football. What? You've got to be kidding me! Coming from a guy from Pittsburgh who the whole entire town would shut down on Steeler days, and I brought that ethic with me to Cincinnati. And then I found, like at the end of the day, it's like you know I didn't I didn't miss that game at all. I didn't miss that frustration at all. Not at all. And I've never yeah. gone back from that. So I've just I've just gotten the habit of of doing other things, having other pastimes. And I think a lot of people are like that. Yeah, I think a lot of people are like that when it comes to sports. I really do believe that in our lives, particularly if we were around sports when we were kids, it became everything to us. It was everything. And we lived around it on Sundays after we would come home from church. I remember we would just all go to the TV and start catching up on the games every single Sunday, right? That's what we did. And then when they started giving it to us on Monday night, and then on Sunday night, we started to we started to feed on it even more, which means it devoured more of our time. Me, I've been blessed to uh, it's been a, a part of my vocation. It's been part of you know what I do for a living, even though I love it and enjoy it. You know, I get to go to work and do football. Not everyone has that opportunity to do that. So they've got to make a conscious effort to donate that time to a hobby. And, and that can take away from family. It can take away from more important things. There's no doubt about it. And I think that's becoming increasingly challenging for a lot of uh, American families, for dads and for kids. Do I go spend that time with my family? Do I go spend that time or those resources, right, to go to a game or to take yeah. my family to a game? Or we can go do something else. I, I grew up in Los Angeles and people said after they didn't have a team anymore, people said, Oh, in L.A., they don't like football. I was like, of course they do. They just have other interests. <laughs> there's the beach. There's the desert. There's the mountains. Yep. There's so many more things to do to get out the house and do with your family that didn't even require you sitting around a television set or spending money sitting at a stadium. So you you can make quality of life decisions and still be an NFL fan. How about that? 
What is the numbers? What do the numbers look like for the NFL? Obviously, attendance is down because of COVID, but what's viewership like? Oh, it is up. How about that? Huh. All those people who can't go into stadiums, where you think they're doing? Watching the game where? On television. Interesting. They are. <laughs> television. Okay. That's right. There you well, go. Good. God bless the NFL. Go. I, I I hope they thrive. I love football, and I enjoyed sure. watching it the other day. But um, I was just concerned about that. Okay, oh, we got to get the Bengals rolling, then you'll come back. Well, again. okay, let's talk the Bengals. I was going to go in the lightning round here, but yeah, let's talk the Bengals. I uh, boy, I am really, really digging Joe Burrow. Really, I really love that dude. Not not just his athletic ability, his history, but everything I see from that young man is yeah. is positive. His character is. You know he's he's great, and we're all upset that he jacked up his knee. And different people have different yeah. philosophies on the whole whether or not it was the offensive line being underpaid or whatever. I don't I don't want to get into that whole thing right now. But yeah, yeah, I am I am excited about that. Should, should I be more excited? Do you, do you think the Bengals could actually pull out of it their out of their muck and mire of the last thirty years? Is that really possible? I, I'm excited. I'm excited because of Joe Burrow. Now, I was really disappointed. I was praying for him mightily when he was injured. And we still should pray for him that he's able to make a full recovery because he's he's a once-in-a-lifetime. I think he's one of those generational players mm. because of the kind of young man that he is, but the kind of player he is and, and how much he's committed to winning. You could tell. I mean, he had us in every single game. He, I mean, he had us right there. And now he just needs some help. Remember I said quarterback is the most dependent position on the team. In other words, he's the most reliant and he's depending on so many other elements, the coaching staff, the running game, the offensive line, the defense, the receivers, right? He needs help. He needs help. And this organization's got to be up to the challenge of helping Joe Burrow. I think the question for all of us is not will Joe Burrow fail the Bengals, but will the Bengals fail Joe Burrow? I, I'm I'm banking that they will not. I'm banking they will not fail Joe Burrow because I know he will not fail us. Yeah, you, dude, come on. That sounds like a nice thing to say. Why do you think the Bengals will not fail him? What is different about them now than what was how they failed Carson Palmer? I'll just use your words. Came in as the All-American boy, just a thoroughbred stud, and he left as a plow horse utter plow horse because the organization couldn't help him in in all the ways he needed. What There's nothing different from when Carson Palmer came in or where Joe Burrow is right now. Still same guy at the top, still same philosophy, still anemic front office, still, I just go on and on and on. What, what, why, are you, why do you think it's going to be I, any different? I think those are some very good points. I, I, think, I do think personality and talent around players matter. And I, I remember having a conversation with Marvin Lewis. I said, you won't win a Super Bowl with Chad Johnson. And he didn't like me saying that because he really, you know, he embraced Chad Johnson. But I thought Chad was a destabilizing force for the team. I thought the team, the organization, the coaches, I thought they all sold, all, they gave of themselves, gave themselves up for Chad's sake. And while there was entertainment and all those things, think about the important games when you really need it. Chad to make a play for his quarterback and for the team. Those moments weren't there. Now, I'm not here to throw Chad under the bus, but I'm just saying that they those are situations they need to avoid moving forward because character matters. The people you've got to get more high character people just like Joe Burrow. You got to surround him with 
high character people at all positions. Talent alone does not win. I can you give me character and, and a little bit of talent, we'll win. You give me great talent with no character, I, I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a struggle to win. All right. Well, we got a lot of folks who are part of the aggressive life that are that, that really don't want any more Cincinnati insider coming for because they don't really care about the Bengals. <laughs> they care about they care. I do. I'm, I'm I'm a little frustrated, but I want to get back on the bandwagon. Mike Brown, come on, pay your players. Mike Brown, get the right get the right players in here. All of us want to want to be in love with our hometown team again. So That's true. Very come on true. now, Very come on, true. and all respect to all the current players. Thank for what you do. We just want a better environment yeah. for all of you, and um, we want to feel like winners again. That's good. So anyway, let's 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 just go to the lightning round. Are you ready for the lightning okay. round, Solly Mon? Let's do it. Let's do it. All let's right, do it. here we go. Favorite NFL player of all time? Roger Staubach. Not even close. He's a former Cincinnati guy. Didn't know that before I came to Cincinnati. Went to Purcell Marion. Wow. And he is my all-time favorite. As a player and and in business, all around great guy. Now, see, you just you broke the rules of the lightning round, but <laughs> but it was worth it because I find your insight. So I, I, I'm going to say you can define lightning for yourself. You, I, that was a very okay. You can define I'll lightning. Be more, for, I'll be more succinct. You don't have to be because I, I enjoyed every sentence you said there. That was fascinating and I'm, and very surprising. Okay. I like he, he's he is a good dude. I it's cool to hear you say that you thought he is the. Uh, he was yeah. the most interesting or best. That's awesome. Yeah. The best football team in NFL history. You have to give me the name and the year. Wow. The best team ever. Ever. Oh, well, you have to say the 1972 Miami Dolphins. They went undefeated wire to wire. I mean, they had great offense, a great defense, a great coach like Don Shula, but they're undefeated. I mean, need I say more? Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm going to break the break. Break thing. You're right. <laughs> that, that, that's hard to argue with. You can't argue yeah. with that. But yet, for most of us, they never pop up on our mind. Why is that? Is it because they had the girly colors of their uniforms? Recent, recency a... bias. It's called recency bias. Uh. Most of us have the no love and appreciation for history. You think anything that happened outside of your time frame when things are cool. It doesn't matter. And that's where we become sorely disconnected. We got to have a greater uh, a greater appreciation for history. Recency bias. I like that. Yeah. What wins championships, defense or offense? I think in today's NFL, it's offense. Gonna, I got to go ahead and say it now. Points. Points is what wins game. Who scores the most points? Offense does. So, no, I... Right now, in today's game, it's, it's the offense. In honor of the Buccaneers, how many Pirates can you name? Real or fictional? <laughs> <laughs> Sir Francis Drake. How about that? I don't know. Who's he? See? I don't know him. History. Sir Francis Drake was commissioned by Queen Elizabeth to raid the Spanish ships as they were bringing the gold back from the Caribbean. OK, um, and so they would go and they would mine a lot of the gold and would bring it back to Spain, who was the great power when it was Spain and it was England and it was France. Well, she commissioned Sir Francis Drake. OK, we, uh, we all know he was a pirate. That's what he did. Now, he 
was later granted the name Sir. So now he goes down in English history as one of the great naval commanders. But at the end of the day, he was a pirate. That's what he was. He was a pirate. Solomon, you never cease to amaze me. You can't, you can't slip up Solomon. It doesn't matter. You want to talk red meat? He's, red, he's there for you. Bam. There's Solomon. You want to talk football? Bam. There's Solomon. You want to talk about pirate history? Bam. There's Solomon. Jeez. That's, 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 that's all I got for Impressive, you. man. All right. Pirate. The weekend is playing the halftime show. Name one song by him, whoever the heck he is. Oh, now I'm stopped. The week I don't even know who the week is. I don't is. either. Yeah. I'm looking at my stupid. I'm looking at my stupid ass script. It says apparently it's spelled W E E K N D. The weekend. See, uh, hey, I should have greater appreciation for things oh, that are maybe more modern, right? For Seriously. More, uh, more today, because seriously, I, I don't know. I, that, I, I don't think you have recency <laughs> bias. I think you have old school bias when it comes to school. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, in honor of the Chiefs, how many Native American leaders can you name? Um, Tecumseh. He was a uh, he was a Native American um, war chief uh, of a Native American tribe here locally too. Um, he was known around here with the uh, the um, the local Indian tribe, um, and so that, that's what I got for you there. Well, you can't. You could throw in like a Geronimo, a Sitting Bull, Sitting Bull, Geronimo. Yeah, Geronimo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we digress. This is this has been great, Solomon. This this really has. Is there is there anything else? Anything more you want to talk about? I I, I do want us, you and I, <clears throat> to one day we come on because you know what, our country has become so divided. I think we have to figure out a way. You think about how sports, you see people behaving at athletic events and they vilify, right, fans from the other team. They almost vilify players from the other team. There are fights in stadiums at sporting events, right? There's rioting after a team wins a championship. So I, I started to try to think about the way that we behave in our political lives now that we created this zero-sum game. If you're a Republican or a Democrat, one side looks at the other side as being evil and bad and always wrong, and your side is always right. It's almost like they borrowed this competitive language or competitive mindset from sports, and they took it over to the political realm, and it leaves us no room for middle ground, Right? In sports, maybe you don't need room for middle ground because if the Packers and the Bucks don't like each other, the game is going to be won and lost. Both sides are going to go until they meet again, right? right. <laughs> but for us to take that behavior and apply it to society, bad thing. And I, and I think for those of us who are believers, I think we stand in the middle and I think we stand in, in, in a place where we have to be very conscious and very active about helping to heal our nation. I really do believe that. And I and I just, I pray that God will give us the strength, the knowledge, and the determination to get that done. Because um, I think we're on the precipice of, of really bad things happening in our society because we, I don't know that we've ever been further apart, ever 
further apart than uh, more troubling times that we know of in our history. Well, not only have we never been further apart, we've never been more afraid. So you exactly. you introduce a culture that has a core attribute of fear, and now yeah. we very clearly have another side to vilify and be afraid of, and you've got a perfect storm of destruction. That's Donald, right. Donald Trump, with all of his... <laughs> All of his, if I, if I want to be nice, I could say with all of his narcissistic tendencies, if I wanted to be mad, I could say something much more evil. But, you know, of, 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 all, of all of Trump's stuff, much, much of the things that people feared would happen with him at four years, they didn't happen, you know? I mean, they, yeah. they, they didn't yeah. happen. The, the, it certainly did not, he did not contribute to a harmonious environment, that's for sure. But a lot of things that people thought would happen didn't happen. Now we have... Joseph Biden, President Biden in, and, uh, you know, the things that people think are going to happen are probably not going to happen. I'm a gun owner. I've got a bunch of guns. Do you have any guns? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course. Have, have you bought ammo recently for any of your guns? You can't buy right. ammo. They don't right. do it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> bel- I, 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 I tell you who the real evil, evil people are in our country. It's probably the gun manufacturers, the ammunition manufacturers, Winchester, all those rat bastards. It's probably them because whenever a new Democrat goes into office, it's like, cha-ching, let's make some money. So those of you who don't have guns, I mean, here's the way it is. You can have all the guns in the world, but if you have no ammo... You can't do anything. You no, cannot no, no. buy and find ammo because everyone is stockpiled because they're afraid that Joe Biden is going to make it so you all your guns are going to be gone. I live I live near the woods. I got coyotes in my yard. They're coming out of the woods. You know what used to be theirs is no longer theirs. But I so I, I was just I get buy I buy a hunting rifle, but I can't get one bullet. I can't get one <laughs> bullet. I got I to throw the I got to throw the hunting rifle at the coyotes. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what what what, ca- what caliber is your hunting rifle? Uh, twenty two caliber. Oh, okay, yeah, right. twenty two caliber. I don't, yeah, I don't have yeah. any twenty two. My my son has some twenty two shells, so I'll get you some twenty two shells if you want. But uh, okay, yeah, but, but that's great. the point. Like, Biden's not going to take away your ammunition and guns. There might be some taxes or something. He, he's not. But but man, oh, I'm afraid those Calm evil Democrats. Down. I better go and I better yeah. buy all the ammo I can because it's not. Oh my goodness. We all we all need to find some middle ground. Right. right. No one's all bad. No one's all good. You know, no one's all right. No one's all wrong. We got to right. we got to be less afraid and be more courageous. Right. right. That's why we're talking on the Aggressive Life podcast. That's what we're talking about. Exactly. And I love how you're breaking the script, how you're just not not keep it to football stuff. You're not a football guy. You're a very wise guy, Solomon. So thanks for being with me Thank on you. the Aggressive Life. If someone wants to follow up with you anything or follow you, you got anything you want to push on us? Yeah, uh, I, I, you can follow me at Solomon's Wisdom, okay, on my Twitter handle. But I would love for people, if you love football and you want to learn about it in a new way, you know, we talked about learning new things. You know, I've been really diving into data analytics as it pertains to football. Um, data analytics is used in every phase of our lives. That's the reason why you pay one price for insurance and I pay another price. Because insurance, they use data analytics to determine probabilities for you to wreck your car versus me wrecking mine. So it's been used in every phase of life. We now use it in football. There's a local company in Cincinnati called Pro Football Focus. PFF.com is where you go. Um, and Chris Collinsworth, my he's my boss now. So 
He, he owns the company and we're based in OTR. So go to PFF.com, read the content, some of the articles we write there. Um, you're going to learn a lot about football and it helps you to understand who has the highest probability of winning Super Bowl 55 between the Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we'd love for you to go there and and uh, enjoy a lot of the content that we have there. Gosh, see, there you go again. I keep trying to end this podcast, and you keep saying things that are interesting. <laughs> Darn you, well, Solomon. I'll, 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 I'll come you, back anytime. I mean, it's, it's, you know I'll, I'll just say it's fascinating <laughs> because um, you know this was a, a service you were selling to pro teams to get data to get mm-hmm. get ahead and, and understand their uh, opponent. Then you did, That's you right. know, colleges and high schools. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you just told me we got together. Now your, your fastest growing market are, are people who are trying to beat their bookie, giving them data, help them, <laughs> help them. <laughs> God bless America. Or, or just win their fantasy league. Cause we have that too. Okay. Stunning. Solomon, it's always a pleasure. You heard it boys and girls. Right. Thank you for coming to the aggressive life. We'll see you next time on the aggressive life. Don't take the passive way. Don't wait for life to just crawl by you. Grab your life. Take care of yourself. Be a Tom Brady, be a Patrick Mahomes. Take control of your life. We'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for listening. For more aggressive living, head over to bryantome.com. Get signed up for the mailing list to get regular shots of positive aggression sent straight to your inbox. And while you're there, you can also find articles, podcasts, and books. I'm also active on Instagram. Search Brian Tome. Special thanks to the band judges for the music. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.